Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Bradley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes, episode number 57, can you believe it? Um, lovely to be here again uh, alongside Andy Mars, my name, alongside Mark Hayes, uh, as always. Hello, Hayesy. G'day, Murray. Lovely to be here. A lot to get through this week. We Big show. No, the destination of a whole lot of uh, players in terms of playoffs, and we'll endeavour to work our way through all of that. We've got some fantastic guests on the show, joined again by Joe Charlton. Hello, Josephine. How are you? Lovely <laughs> yeah, to see you. You remind me of my cousin. Yeah. He always used to call me Josephine. <laughs> Is that the real full deal? No, it's actually Joanna. But, Joanna, um, there you go. No one knows me as that either, no, Mari. No, no. You're, you're Joe. You're yeah. Joe. Yeah. Um, you're going to introduce us to a young lady a bit later on called Keely Marks, who has got the most amazing story. Uh, in, in, don't flag too much about mm. it now, but have you met many 14-year-olds like her? No, yeah, as you said, we don't want to steal her thunder. Just stay tuned, guys. It's a pretty remarkable story. And no, I have not met a 14-year-old like, like Keely, and it's a, a story that's going to inspire many. Uh, Angela Bailey is going to make us all feel sick a bit later on when she joins <laughs> us. Uh, two holes in one in the one round. That's just ridiculous. And some big news, Vic Openwise Hazy, Keith Pally. Um, European Tour CEO is going to join us. Just, if anyone was to lead it off with that, just brilliant news announced on Tuesday uh, during the week about the shared status now that both the men's and the women's events have at the Vic Open. It's remarkable stuff. It's extraordinary. And I, I was thinking back a little while ago, the, when I first went down to cover the Vic Open down at Spring Valley, yeah. now, I don't think it's going to offend anyone if I said it was on its knees. There hadn't been a women's open for years. Um, literally a generation had gone by without a Women's Vic Open. Uh, and in the space of, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten short years, I should have done my homework a bit better, Joe, but it's gone from, you know, trying to find a spot on a calendar that's crowded and pushing it out to being one of, if not the outstanding tournament in Australia. I don't mean that necessarily in terms of history or anything, but, um, you know, just its level of involvement and participation yeah. and everything that goes around it, it's... Uh, extraordinary, and now the big news is that it's not only it went to LAT, we know that from last year, but it's now on the European tour on the men's side. Um, extraordinary, the highest total prize pool in Australian golf, which is I, I don't know if, if that's it's a tremendous achievement. I don't know if it's good or bad for the other historic tournaments, but it shows you the level of interest in this event. So three million dollars, one and a half million each for men and women. Dual platform, European, LET, unbelievable story That's, in world golf, yeah. what, what this tournament's become. And at positions, I think it's the first time in 15 years that we've got two European events back-to-back for the first time. So in the for the, in the men's um, perspective, they've got the Vic Open 
leading into the Super Sixes, um, and then for the women, they've got the Vic Open leading into the Women's Australian Open. So it's the first time in 15 years that we've had that combination. So we're so we're hopeful that that's going to be a bit of a draw card in bringing some of um, Europe's classiest players, both on the men's and and women's side, out. Oh, as I've um, got no doubt it will, and it, and it all it, it has. You know, mm. we've seen you know Georgia Hall win it a couple of years ago. She goes and wins the Women's British Open a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we saw Mel Reed uh, and um, Andrea a- Angela Gull in the that play Sandra. Sandra, Sandra Gull. Sandra Gull, a big yeah. pardon, in the playoff. Was that last year? I'm trying two to remember what year it was. Two years, two yeah. years ago. So, I mean, it, it is, it's always been able to bring out the finest European tour players mm. from a women's perspective. Uh, and, and to be honest, the women's side of the Vic Open since it's been down to 13th Beach, gone down to 13th Beach, has probably outstripped, well, not probably, it definitely has. It's it's had the much There's no doubt. heavier quality loading players um, rep- representing that tournament than the men's have. It's, been, it's, it's kind of given it windburn on the way past down there in the last couple of years. <laughs> I think um, one of the things that's happened with that tournament is maybe, and I'm not saying there were many at all, but there maybe were a couple of sceptics on the men's side saying, why do we have to share a Vic Open with the women? yeah. yeah. Well, right now, those exact same men, if there were any, are saying, thank God for the women because they've really helped us put this on the map. And we've gone from a Mickey Mouse prize pool up to a massive prize pool in the space of six short years. And and they've got no one to thank but for that but the women involved. And, and yeah, of course, everyone at Golf Victoria. Yep. But the way the women have uh, interacted with the people who attend the tournament and have made it a, um, a, a sponsorship title property worth holding is, you know, testament to the great work that all the women in professional golf have done around Australia. That's a question I really want to wait, uh, can't wait to ask Keith Pally in that, um, I suppose, the European Tour have really led the charge on innovation sort of capacity, but I want to really ask him, like, how the players have embraced that along the journey because, yes, at the Vic Open, there was a little bit of pushback, um, but they, the men now really see value in, yeah. in, in the women being out there. So I'm re- really interested in, in Keith's perspective as yeah, well. Yeah, and credit to... I mean, credit to everybody involved in making the Vic Open what it is. But um, what the Europe, the, the way the European Tour has seen itself, it's it's now it's 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 the brand of the European Tour is much stronger now than it was, say, fifteen twenty years ago. On mm-hmm. the certainly on the men's side of the game, the fact that they have and there's a whole lot of strategic and commercial reasons why they do this, but the fact that they have taken their tour globally. I mean, they they are really expanding the network of the European Tour, which has its positives and you know and others. But you compare it to the work that it's doing in ta- in terms of encouraging its best players to go and play everywhere, compared to what the PGA Tour might be doing from a contrary perspective. You know, credit to them, I reckon. Absolutely. But, you know, they're 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 encouraging their best players to go everywhere. And obviously, this has got a Victorian angle at it right now but I want, I want to say too that the success of the Vic Open is actually helping along the other state opens and other state championships that we've had um, in the last few years the New South Wales Open it's got a prime spot right before the Australian Open on the calendar mm. it's a cracking tournament now it's got a it's got a statewide qualifying series and reach and really has an impact up there and a lot of the lot, it's the fields are just growing in in strength every year the Queensland Open's really jumped up, and it's now tacked on in front of the New South Wales Open. So there's a big series coming up to the, you know, the Australian Open and the Australian PGA Championships, and this year the World Cup. And those events have really been pushed along, I think, mm. by by the Vic Open and its success. And they're they're trying to become 
the next big tournament, which I think is awesome. And, you know, we've seen what happens in WA with the PGA and the Open. They're always back-to-back extraordinary successes they have been in the last few years with Mm. the fields. And, you know, I think the the secondary tournaments, for want of a better phrase, are really coming along beautifully. Um, So it seems like a good launching point to talk about, you know, the end of the kind of regular tour season over in the on the PGA tour. We got the Northern Trust coming up next week. The top one twenty five are through. We're now into the playoff series. Um the FedEx Cup standings don't make great reading from an Australian perspective this year. Um we've been trying to encourage hashtag golden era and <laughs> I think we still believe that there's a lot of talent coming through. I'm not gonna be swayed by that, but I'll be honest, I would have expected perhaps greater representation than necessarily what we've seen at the end of the current American season. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Um, I've got my reasons on why I think that happens, Andy. So we'll have only four men in the 125, and that's Jason Day, Mark Leishman, Adam Scott, who's rallied late to make sure Mm -hmm. of what he was doing, and, of course, Cameron Smith. Smith. Yep. Um, so, you know, it, it's a strong attack, but it's not a deep attack. And, and in years past, we might have had more having a shot at it. I think it is a generational change. We're, we're losing slowly but surely from the, you know, the upper echelons of that field. I'm sorry to say this, boys, because I'm pretty sure some of you listen, but, you know, Rod Pampling, mm. and Greg Chalmers and mm. John Sendon and Robert Allenby mm. and all that era of guys who are 45 on the wrong side of 45, perhaps, mm. um, yeah, it, you know, they can't be that competitive forever. So I think what we haven't had is the next wave pushing through. Yeah. So my thoughts on that, Andy, for what it's worth, is that since the Web.com tour, which was then the nationwide tour, left Australian shores, um, you know, over 10 years ago now, it's quite it's just gone in a heartbeat. There's been pathways that were relatively simple um, for, for our young aspiring talent to just get through and be instantly on the secondary tour and have a leg up already if they do well at at Moona, for example, back in the day or or South Australia as it was, they could really kick on. Um, you know, get a win early, set yourselves up, you're basically in the top twenty five and you'll get your PGA card. And I just think there's so many guys uh waiting for the party to happen but they haven't mm. sort of got there yet. Um I Curtis Luck, which we, who we'll touch on in a second, is a classic case in my mind of someone who I think will be really a good player on the PGA tour but he's having a hell of a time trying to get there. And and he's not alone. If you think we've we've sent away the last couple of years, Brett Coletta, and we've sent away Cam Davis and Ryan Ruffles and uh, Travis Smythe and all these young Queensland pros and WA pros, they're just starting to um, feel their way around, but they're still at least two steps in most cases away from the big dance. And that's unfortunately the one that gets the most mm. coverage and we and we tend to shy away from the, from the rest of them. Mm. So I suppose... Like you could turn that into a positive, though, couldn't you? Where we look, we look at the likes of Luck and God, he'd be good for our game back here in Australia because he's yeah. so charismatic, yeah. um, Curtis. Um, and the likes of you know Lucas Herbert knocking on the door in the European tour. Like there is that younger generation coming through, but you're right, it's that bridging gap, that giant leap getting out onto the PGA tour, which is um, probably a little bit more competitive. It's nowadays. just such a deep field. Mm. Well, that's the thing. It feels like the game's getting more competitive. And just it's churning out, um, and this might upset, you know, the, a couple of our colleagues on this show, particularly Clates and <laughs> um, one or two others that you mentioned on the way through who have been good enough to join us on the show. But it just feels like there's more good players around. Like there's just there's so much 
talent around in the game of golf these days that we we see these young players sort of emerging in Australia and in our neck of the woods they they shine very very brightly but then they get over into the big pool and there's loads of them they're all over the place and they're coming the, the nations that are starting with just some you know the, the US amateur um, was decided this week and it was won by a minnow, a player representing a minnow country who spent a bit of time in college golf in America, obviously. But it's their, their player, there are different, there are more flags being represented That's on big thing. tours all over the place. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Like Norway, you think about Iceland, yeah. Sweden. We haven't even touched on Asia yet. Like, That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's and, a competitive beast. And just like tennis, when Australia was the, the yes. powerhouse yes. 50, 60, mm. 70 years ago, to be the best player in the world at that stage, you had to beat people from Britain, France, and the United States, hmm. maybe Canada. That was it in tennis. And you know now there's everyone. Same in golf. You know, and you make a great point about Asia, Joe, and and you know the the Scandinavian countries. Um, everyone, everyone's picking up sticks now. So it's no, I don't think there's any dearth or more or less talent coming from Australia or New Zealand or no, anywhere. No, it's just purely and simply that there's now an equal amount of players coming from similarly populated countries. Mm. So it's as simple as that. And I I think we need to work on our pathways and the the European tour, just rounding this back into a nice little package here, Andy, the European tour coming to Victoria is one of those potential pathways. It's huge. So let's talk about them. Um, And you've mentioned Lucas Herbert, and we've segued back to the European tour. And what a brilliant result he had at Nadea. I mean, this was... Had he, I don't know whether you're up watching this, but I, I did commit and I was watching until I thought he couldn't. Um, Waring, I think, got, might have got to 14 and Lucas had missed, missed another putt and it, he'd left him sort of at seven, yeah. through about seven or eight holes. But he could easily, but so well was he playing, so well was he playing early in his final round that he could quite easily have been, without much more going right, um, it could have been five under through seven and in a tie for the lead or one behind very early on in the final round. He couldn't make a putt, but his ball striking and just his, he's got he's got something about him. He's got something about him in social media and he's got <laughs> such, he's, he's, he's got a swagger, this young man. Love him. And gee, he played some bold and aggressive golf in that final round. So he bogeys nine and 10 on either side of the mm. halfway and you think, uh, yep. He's then had his chances. He, yeah. Yep, yep. So he steps to 12, a drivable par four, and he sticks it to 10 feet, <laughs> rolls in the eagle putt, and then has four birdies in his closing six holes. And that's what he does. That's what he brings mm-hmm. to the table. When it clicks, it's it's unbelievable mm. when it clicks. He has so much flair yeah. in everything he does in life, yeah. as, yeah. <laughs> as yeah. you were saying. And our listeners know that. He's been mm. in here a couple of times, and hopefully we'll get him back again soon. Finishes only three back, Andy. Yeah. And you miss, as you say, those putts that he missed early probably rue them but in a sense he's working towards a bigger picture yep and now with his fifth place finish there in Gothenburg he's now in 98th in just a handful of starts this so year so put that into perspective in terms of Dubai and tour card yeah. um, so he's so what he's done is he's used um, a couple of starts that he's won so for the open for example he got a start for his through his great result in the Singapore open um, he's done other things that also count towards the money list. Uh, he qualified for the U.S. Open. That counts to his European money list. Perth Super Six has counted towards it. But what he's done now in getting to 98th in three, only th- other than those, only had three invites. And he's finished now 
uh, in the top five this year on the European Tour three times, once in Sicily, once in Perth, <laughs> and once in uh, yeah. Sweden. Yeah. 98th, and he needs to be in the 110, top 110 to get his card, full card for next year. He needs to get into the top 60 to play in the Roast to Dubai finals. I don't know if he can do that without a victory here somewhere, but mm-hmm. the way he's playing, it's definitely not beyond him. And And... That's just such an unbelievable thing. Take up an affiliate membership of a tour at the start of the year and just not quite knock it on the head yet, but he's getting pretty bloody close. Ah, he's exciting to watch. And I wonder, Joe, whether, you know, we are so obsessed and you know, we, we probably share the obsession given the amount of time we spend talking about golf from America, but you know, our young players are so obsessed with getting on. I've got to get to the tour. I want to get to the PGA Tour. I wonder whether some of his contemporaries might see what he's doing, what Lucas Herbert's doing in America and maybe what, you know, in Europe, I should say, and what a couple of other young Australians, Dimi Papadatis is doing over in Europe as well. And I wonder what they might say, you know what, American can come, you know, look, Brooks Kepka, it didn't hurt him, it didn't hurt Greg Norman, didn't hurt a couple of others that Adam they spent a bit of Adam Scott, yeah, spot on, hasn't hurt them. I don't need to put all my eggs in the American basket. I can maybe sort of You're spot on. I think many do have that. In, in, in sight but you, you, you're right in that the European tour offers so much more because you're playing in I think it's 30 odd countries so you're you know you're learning the craft um, with great variety in different countries you've got to learn all the cultural things of, of travelling yeah. as yeah. well um, and it's, it's, it's a perfect you know stepping stone to that PGA tour which at the moment is the ultimate um, should, should, def- should you get there but yeah, yeah I, I think there would be hardly a coach uh, in Australia that shouldn't endorse the uh, European tour being a global tour as a, a great stepping stone for, for young ones coming through. And I think if you do that successfully, the path that Joe's advocating there, not only will the riches and the travel and all things come together for you, your world ranking will go up. Mm. And that's the way to get onto the – and skip the stages that other, our young guys are going through right now and do it the way Adam Scott did mm-hmm. it. And do it the way, you know, Paul Casey has done it. And, and Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka and Alex Noren and all these guys are, are doing it through world rankings coming out of Europe. Push on to the US PGA Tour. You've heard Clates and everyone in his thoughts about the Web.com Tour in terms of being a bit of a graveyard if you can't shoot 30 under, which, mm. as I said before, Kurt, and we, we're coming to Curtis Luck in a yep. second, but yep. Curtis Luck, I think, is imminently capable of winning on the US PGA Tour. The harder the course is, the better he'll play and the more his chances will rise. I don't know if he's the player to go out and shoot mm. twenty nine under to get into a playoff in Mississippi in the in the back blocks of Mississippi. Yep. Yep. I just don't know if he's that player. Yep. Yep. So um I hope he is, but you know, I hope we don't have to find that out for him to show his wares on the mm. USPGA mm. tour. Mm. Okay, so go to where are we at with the what's the kind of the the local contingent looking like from a web playoff perspective? So Curtis Luck did. Beautifully tied for sixth in the closing event in Portland on the web.com tour and and brought up his ranking from outside the top 75 that was required into uh, a share of, was he 60th? 60th yeah, number 60 yeah. from 83 to 60. And that will get him into the web.com finals. So a great achievement in the nick of time from Curtis Luck. And he's going to join uh, Cameron Davis, uh, who was 34, uh, Brett Druitt, who was 63, and Rian Gibson, who is 44. So those four Australians um, from the web.com tour side of things will be joined by the, I guess, the some of the older contingent. I hate to say that, boys, but I'm sorry, but Stuart Appleby, yep. Aaron Baddeley, Matt Jones, 
uh, Rob Pampling just missed out, actually, but Cameron Percy, who has yeah. spanned both tours this year, has done well from the PGA Tour side to get between 126 and 200. And those 75 guys will come back and play with the those four Aussies and the other yeah. 75 in the web, if that makes sense, in the web.com finals. And the top 25 in a month's time after four events in five weeks get their card for next year. So... That's the big chance for, for Curtis and the boys. And unfortunately, Andy, the hard luck story is um, definitely one of the, the Sydney siders. Um, Jamie Arnold, we've mentioned countless yeah, times on this yeah, show through yeah. the year, a nice young fella, and he was in the frame the whole way. Unfortunately, his fifth consecutive cut uh, to end the season. Um, and he fell from 73 to 81. And that hurts. So you, with somebody like Jamie Arnold... He, while he'll be disappointed with what he's done this year, I reckon he'll look back at last year when he was probably playing better golf and um, getting himself kind of into contention on the outskirts of contention more often last year than he did this year. He'll probably rue the fact that he didn't turn a couple of those good starts and, um, you know, better performances into higher finishes when he was in good nick. And, You've just got to make it, you've got to make hay while it shines because if you don't, it's just around the corner. And these guys are hanging on, aren't they? They are hanging on by their fingernails, some of them. And they can slip out of. I'll try and get him on in the next few weeks. I'd love to hear his story. I, I really would. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, we've touched on Brian McPherson's story so many times here, which is great and ongoing. But, you know, for every Jason Day, mm. there's mm. 30 mm. who aren't that blessed so more there's more than 30 so uh and he's a really nice guy so if you'll come on i'll get him on because he, he he'll i'm sure he'll encapsulate the, the trials and tribulations of that tour for us beautifully so hopefully keep Pally not too far away from joining us to talk about what's um happened down at the vic open but before we get too far away from america um the Wyndham was the last of the regular season tour events and branson etica um, makes the most of a 59 in the opening round to hang on and win. It looked perilously like um, he was going to kind of cough that up and not win the event. Um, such was the nature of CT Pan sort of closing in on him. But uh, whether you're watching the final stages of this, but you don't often see it get him. It just get him. And it got. It looked like it really got CT Pan on 18. When he, I thought you were going to say the, the mighty S word then. Uh, which was? Well, it rhymes with, um, you've got a very big similarity to Cape Shank. <laughs> I don't even know. That was not what I was going to say when I started, and Joe got very nervous. So. Oh, you, Joe looks, had to look, she, she had this look of absolute fear on her face. I was just quizzical. Um, but the drive on 18, he, 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 hit it out of, he hits it out of bounds on 18. And That's blows, unbelievable. He, he missed it. He missed it. And he had not missed a shot for, for how, I don't know how long. And the 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 push on eighteen was. It's oh, not a push, Andy. It was just a car it, bailout. It's a it was, shank. It was horrific. It's, sorry, I just said it. Yeah, no, you did. You said the word, <laughs> but it's not the word Joe was fearful of. So that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so, that's but, right. I thought you were going true. something else. It was an extraordinarily it was. It was. long way right. So so Snedeker gets the result, and good on him. You know, he's a one of those American players, and all the very best. I I can't walk away from talking about this tournament without mentioning David Hearn. I suspect he's a really nice bloke. You know, He is. I'll vouch for yeah, that. We yeah. met him last two times ago at the World Cup two years ago. Yeah. He was a really Looks nice fella. He's a decent fella. Yep. Canadian, tour player. You know, good luck to him. 
But we've spent a lot of time talking about a couple of um, hot topics on this podcast, and one of them is anchoring. And, you know, if we're going to talk about this, we have to throw Adam Scott into the mix, and we do. But in terms of degrees of anchoring, David Hearn... Uh, Where is was, he on the McCarran scale? <laughs> mate, he... The indentation of the back of his thumb knuckle was on his breastplate <laughs> by the end of the round. You could park, if he lay down on his back, you could park a bike in the indentation. That's how much pressure there was from his thumb on his breastplate. I, I, honestly, what are we doing? What is the game doing even, th- even having this as a rule? If it's not going to be, if it's not going to be policed, it's just embarrassing. Well, it's not a rule because, well, it's not. A it's farcical because yeah. he could have a Melbourne star hanging out of his chest. He may as well have. All he has to say is, "I didn't mean to have a I Melbourne mean, star." It was in my, my intention. Chest. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, did you see? Did you see? No. Oh, I think that's just a delegate thing with rules, isn't it? It's just it's it's, it's we rely on trust and etiquette and the best we have. We believe in the best of in others, so yes. it just becomes so so grey. Um, it's fun laughing about it. <laughs> Imagine if we did, if we, we didn't have this rule, we wouldn't be able to talk and laugh about it, oh, would we? But no, yeah, I, I I agree with you. It's sort of it's that's point. just um, just the nature of the etiquette and the trust of the game. Well, unless they're going to unless the will of those who are in charge of this thing are going to do something about it, um, we're going to see more and more of this, and it just makes an ass of the whole thing, to be honest. So. Um, <laughs> We'll keep, some of us will keep bitching and moaning about it and getting upset. Others will just say, move on, you silly person, and we'll move on. Our beep factory, we need to get some beeps ready here quickly, the way we're going. We do, we do. I hope we we better clean this up before before Keith Pelly comes. So we talked about at the top of the show the fantastic news, which is the co-sanctioning of the Victorian Open on the European Tour. And the man who has largely been a play uh, to make that happen is Keith Pelly, the European Tour CEO. And uh, it's great to have him on Inside the Ropes. Keith, thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, thanks, uh, Mark, Andy, and Joanna. Uh, it's great to be here. Great to have you. Look, for us down in this neck of the woods, you know, we obviously golf is a very proud part of our sporting heritage down here, and the Victorian Open has been a bit of a revelation in recent times. To have your tour uh, at its status to it is a genuine boost for golf in Australia. Why was this a tournament? Why was this tournament a good fit for the European Tour, Keith? Well, I think the first uh, the first reason is is in the fact that uh, we wanted back to back tournaments in Australia. It's the first time since February two thousand and four, and obviously uh, we've uh, we're involved in the ISPS and a World Super Six in Perth. And I've been down to Perth for the last couple of years. And when I was down there last year, uh, the players overwhelmingly uh, talked to me about: Is there any chance we could have a, another tournament? Uh, coming all the way to Australia is, is a long way. Uh, so at that particular time, I had a long conversation with Gavin Kirkman, the PGA Tour of Australia, Malaysia uh, president, and we said, we've got to try to find another way. And that's when the conversation started with the Vic Open, and uh, we're delighted to make this announcement today that we're going to be involved in it, and we will have back-to-back tournaments in Australia for the first time since 2004. What you're saying just there is just music to my ears. I think music to <laughs> everyone's ears in, in this studio. And I did have a question that I did want to ask you, and it sort of links in quite well there. Um, from your angle, how have the players sort of Im- 
will, well, what do you think, how will they embrace in this? Um, but also, you've really led a innovative charge um, being the CEO of the European Tour, and I'm really interested in your take on how the players have embraced all that you've bought with, with your role. Well, I think the players have been incredibly supportive because we, we've always started by saying we are, going to, we are in the entertainment business, that everything we're going to do is credible. We know where the uh, out-of-bound fences are. <laughs> and they've been usually supportive of, um, of any new format that we've been trying. And obviously the, uh, the ISPS Handa Super World Super 6 in Perth last year, that Saturday was absolutely magical when everyone was shooting out yeah. on, uh, on and, and, and that's what makes it, uh, makes it terrific. And I think this event is uh, to have the, uh, the men and women playing together is, uh, is another boost. Obviously, we, uh, we, we brought that into the Golf Sixes this year, the introduction of the women's team, including Charlie Hall and Georgia Hall. And, of course, Georgia went on to win the Women's British Open, so maybe she was inspired after playing in golf sixes. But, um, but no, I think, uh, I think there is no question that uh, the players have been supportive, and I think they will be uh, uh, very excited and very open to the innovative format that is the Vic Open. So, Keith, you've, you've mentioned the Super Sixes and the, and, and, and the other formats in that sort of realm. Uh, the Belgian Knockout, the Shot Clock Masters, the European Team Championships recently. Uh, what's been your favourite, and will we see more innovative things that aren't 72-hole medal play? Well, I think there is the, uh, the narrative around global golf looking for another format. We've tried a, a number of formats, uh, including the Shot Clock Masters this this year in Austria, which was incredibly successful. Um, I really like the concept of golf sixes. I like the, the, the fact that it is, uh, that it is quick. Uh, I like the fact that it's, uh, it encourages player engagement with the fans. And at the same time, um, it, it, it really has, the demographic has skewed considerably younger than our traditional events. So golf sixes attracts an audience that is under 35, which is usually uh, north of 50 for our golf audiences. And that was an encouragement fact that we, uh, that we found from golf sixes. And I believe the whole concept behind anything that we do from an innovative format is, is just to encourage a larger group, larger de- demographic group, income tax bracket, ethnic group to get involved in our terrific game. There are so many benefits to our game, to uh, today's youth, and during, in, in, including teaching them life skills and learning how to be disciplined, learning how to, 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 to uh, honor uh, rules, respect, and so forth. And so the more that we can showcase our game, and if that means we have to do something more creative, if that means we have to be more entertaining, uh, it is, after all, um, you know, we are, uh, we are in the sports entertainment world, and, and the whole key is to grow the audience in any way we can. And that's, that's where the, the initiative started uh, with uh, the creation of different formats like the Belgian Knockout, Shot Clock Masters, and, and Golf Sexes. Keith, I know that you, you know, you're a big fan of the women's game. I know that very well. And, and you've seen the Vic Open format, and you guys touched on it a little bit in Morocco um, yourselves this year. Do you think there's a, an untapped market for the, for the combined men's and women's events that you'll be party to now at 13th Beach? Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're, uh, we've also created an event next year that, that we're launching on our schedule called the uh, Jordan Mixed Masters, which is going to feature 
uh, our Stay Shore, which are our senior members, playing with the Challenge Tour members, which is our our uh, feeder tour into the uh, the main tour, as well as the LET, which is the Ladies European Tour. And they're all playing on the same course, but they're also playing in the same tournament. It's it's just one tournament, one leaderboard. Uh, they all they will play from different tee boxes, but this is a full integration mm. of ladies and men's golf. And you know, obviously, uh, the the Vic Open uh, they play on the same course at the same time, equal share of of I think it's three million Aussie uh, yep. million prize fund, which is which is the richest tournament in Australia. So we're excited to be part of that. Uh, but but I think. I think women playing with men, um, whether it be you have to uh, equalize it through different tee boxes, it, it doesn't matter. You still have to get it into the hole, and uh, and that is a unique opportunity that our sport has that many other sports don't have. So, for example, you, you couldn't see a men's professional basketball team playing against a, a, a women's professional basketball team but you could see a men's golfer playing against a women's golfer if you just equalise it through the tee boxes. Talking to Keith Pelly, the uh, CEO of the European Tour. Keith, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, and you know whether you like it or not, um, the world uh, world golf is you know divided probably into two major camps: the PGA Tour and the European Tour. Yeah, there's a real kind of sameness to what the PGA Tour dishes up on a week in week out basis. And yet here we are talking about all these kind of, um, you know, not novel events. That puts the wrong skew on it, but these different events. Do you like what it says about your tour? Do do you like the fact that the European tour compared to its, you know, main rival for, again, one of a better phrase, is seen to to be really progressive in this kind of area? Well, you know, there is... There is America, and then there's everywhere else in terms of the world. And when you when you just have to look at, and and, and I mean that I mean that in all seriousness. Yeah. There are there are 50 plus more than fifteen thousand golf courses in America, and and you know that's the the next the next biggest I think is Japan at twenty two hundred, and and Canada is pretty close to twenty two hundred. That's that's unbelievable. And when you think about 60% of the golfers in the world are in America, and you look at the size of Florida and the size of California and, and, the, and, and where golf fits in the sports landscape in America, it's completely different than any other territory. And one of the biggest things coming from Canada when, when you know, golf is absolutely massive in Canada. And, and when I came over here to Europe, I went, oh, it's more of a, a niche sport in many of the markets that we play compared to America and, uh, and Canada. And in order to do that, you have to, in order to, to widen the audience and in order to increase the engagement, you have to be prepared to be a little creative. And I also believe that very strongly that in any business, if you're not uh, progressing, if you're not changing, if you're not... Uh, looking to modify and get better, you have the risk of falling behind. So that combined with the fact that it just wasn't something that that is is as inherent in our psyche like it is in America. And 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 once you once you've spent time in Florida and spent time in California over an extended period of time, 
you realize the importance of our wonderful sport. And, and so maybe, just maybe, uh, uh, America doesn't have to be as innovative as we do around the world mm. as, we're, as we're continuing to grow our sport. It's just, it's just a different look at it, guys. That's all I'm saying. Now, having said that, yeah, yeah, we believe that we're, we're leading the, the transformation of global golf. Like, who would have thought a, a couple of years ago that players would be wearing shorts in practice, have music on the range, interviews mid-round, and these things are all commonplace in tournaments now. But I come right back to the, the, uh, uh, the need for us to do this to get as much exposure for our game. Because once people get into our game, once they understand our game, then, uh, then, then the life goes on. But, uh, but we need to expose it to as many people as we possibly can. Keith, from an Australian perspective, just one last one from me. Does, would you like to see more Australian golf involved with the European Tour? Does the Australian Open have appeal? Would you consider a challenge tour events for our smaller events, the secondary events in Australia that aren't the Open or the PGA? Uh, what, what's your view about embracing Australia even further? Yeah, well, obviously our ties are very strong. And I mentioned Gavin Kirkman earlier, and I believe that, that you know, we, we shared emails yesterday on his schedule and we met at, uh, at the Open Championship and we talked about how we can work closer together. Uh, you know, the Australian PGA Championship is on our schedule, um, brings the number of tournaments on our, on our 2019 schedule to three with the Vic Open and, uh, and the Perth event. In terms of the Australian Open, yeah, we would love, we'd love to be involved in it, but it, the Australian Open is a, is, a, is a different event with a different promoter, and we've had conversations and anything could happen uh, down, the, down the road. We also would love to have a challenge tour event. Um, it, it won't be for the 2019 season. It'd be the 2020th at the earliest, but I think it's safe to say that um, the relationship that we have with the PGA Tour of Australasia is incredibly strong. And, uh, and I have a ton of time uh, for Gavin, uh, his vision, and we're going to try to, uh, to help and, uh, and, and work with uh, Gavin and his team as much as we can going forward. Keith, the more the merrier. I'm sure I speak on behalf of uh, all Australian golf fans when I say that. Uh, it's a fantastic um, validation for what everybody's done regarding uh, surrounding the Vic Open to have the European Tour uh, jump on board with co-sanctioning. It just takes something that's been growing exponentially to a whole new level. Um, the congratulations on seeing the benefit in that, and we can't wait to see more Europeans contending and competing down at 13th Beach early in 2019. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you know what, guys? You know, since 1972, we've had 46 Australian players win on the European Tour with 130 wins between them. Golf is golf is uh, is, is something that uh, is important to your country, uh, and we're uh, we're thrilled that uh, that we're involved. Great well, to have you on. You, uh, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Great to have you on the show. Keith Pelly, the CEO of the European Tour, joining us on Inside the Ropes. We'll get a break out of the way. When we come back, the remarkable story. Stay tuned. The remarkable story of Keely Marks after this. 
This is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program near you, visit swingfit.com.au. Hey, it's Jeff Ogilvy. I can't be in Australia very often, but I love keeping up with everything on Inside the Ropes podcast. Good bunch of guys and I love listening. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Inside the Ropes. Um, you hear some great stories along the way, you two. Uh, and I don't know the story of Keely Mark. Well, I do now because you've told me about it, but we're... About to meet a phenomenal young force of nature who is 14 years of age, and her story um, is genuinely incredible. Some stories are golf, Andy. Yep. Some stories are human, and this crosses both sort of boundaries. I, I'm really happy to have Keely Marks on. Keely, welcome to Inside the Ropes. We're going to try and tell your story in the next few minutes. Um, we really appreciate you coming on board. Oh, thank you. It's all good. <laughs> So Keely, I better explain this, Joe. Eh? So, so Keely is the captain of the Victorian team that's playing School Sports Australia Secondary School Championships in New South Wales next week, which is a phenomenal achievement itself—a scra- yep. scratch marker at Heritage Golf Club. But there's a lot more to this story. Um, so, and I'll get you to explain more in a second, Keely. But it started with your, I guess you were moved very much by the Jared Lyle story uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and even was an interview that Andy conducted himself on SEN radio that, that got you into a position that you've done so much more. Can you can you explain what happened a little bit? Yeah, um, so I was just like listening and I knew he was going through a rough patch but I just wanted to like listen to it and see like what the update was and it just really like, it moved me just knowing that someone can go through it for the third time and just, like, still have trouble with it. Um, After I knew that he was going through the third lot and they said that he might not make it, it just, it made me so upset to know that such a great person can go through something that's so harsh. And there's a lot of people who've had that emotion. Mm. Um, You chose, and I'm not denigrating anyone for not acting, by the way, but you chose, which puts you above all others, to do something about it, didn't you? And, I, and, and this is where the story really gets amazing in my eyes. What, what did you and your father and, and your mother and your family decide to do? You, I understand you were sitting in tears listening to Andy's interview with Jared. Yeah. Um, so I was just um, talking to them all, just wanting to try and make a difference and try and do what he was doing most of his life, which was helping people and um, donating a lot of money to Challenge. So... Um, as a family, we all decided that uh, we could start like a little hashtag, like hashtag doing it for Jared. Um, so when we started that, we only got like, it was basically myself posting and doing the hashtag, but then I got heaps more people and we've probably nearly got 60 um, public posts for it. Um, yeah, so I guess doing it for Jared, which we chose to do, um, means that we're here for him and that we want to we wanna help him, even though he has passed. Um, just still making sure people know what he's done in life and what he's achieved. Yeah, and we've been so incredibly moved by Jared's story and, and here now so incredibly moved by 
your efforts and, and your stories. It goes a little bit beyond a little bit of social media, though, yeah. I know. And I want to hear a little bit more about that. What have been sort of the tangible things that you've been um, at, hard at work at over the last sort of month and a bit? Um, so, firstly, I um, so I spoke to yourself and Hutchie and asked if I could um, get the whole team on board for doing uh, just wearing the head cover on, like, the driver just to show our support um, when we go up to COFs, um, just so people know that uh, we're here to do it for Jared and we're here to do it well. And then um, I also got Heritage, my club, on board. for uh, We got heaps and heaps of um, merchandise from Challenge and we've been selling it here and we've, like, raised over $3,000. So that was really outstanding. And one of those things you've done up at Heritage, and I full credit to all the management team and the members at Heritage for getting right behind your actions here. They've forewent their uh, comp fees, so they basically donated the comp fees. The prize was the Luke the Duck head cover, but everyone else who didn't win gave their money to charity. Nearly $4,000, Andy, out of the, oh, yeah, out of the, from, yeah. from Keeley's efforts uh, at Heritage Golf Club alone. And for those listening... I mean, that, the social media aspect of it, Keely, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've generated another $1,000 there yourself uh, from people contacting you and wanting to buy things. You had a you had a friend of the family offer you a crazy amount of money for a couple of pins, Luke pins, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so people just messaged me on Instagram just asking, hey, can you put aside this for me? I just want to donate extra money and um, buy one of these. So one of uh, our friends that I've been on a few trips with um, – they uh, contacted me and asked, um, can I buy two Luke Duck pins for $200? Now, I showed Dad this and I'm like, I don't know if this is right. <laughs> yeah. So um, I messaged him back and he said, nah, I'm serious. I just want I want to donate $200, but I just want two pins for my son and I to wear and um, then just donate the rest and just try and do my part of it. So, Keely, sorry, Hazy, I'm just, I didn't realise, I, I, I was aware of, um, your hashtag Keely, um, and but I didn't know that it was. Um, I didn't know you were the person behind this, and I didn't know the family story until I'm sitting here listening to your story right now. It's remarkable what you've done, uh, and I'm going back through the tweets that you know you you've sent out, and your dad sent out, and Golf Victoria sent out. When you see, there's a great photo. Uh, presumably, that's you front left kneeling down, sort of kneeling down in the Victorian sport. The school is it the what what team is that, Joe? The yeah, the Victor- under seventeen school sport, uh, Victoria. Well, you've team. all got the Luke the Duck um, head covers on your drivers, and you're all standing there. The, the whole team in your team tracksuits. When, when you see a pic, look back at a picture like that, Keely, um, what does it what does it make you think, and what does it make you feel? Um, it makes me feel really excited that people are on board with what I'm trying to do, and they're also supporting someone who was amazing at golf, an amazing person. And just to see that I was able to do that makes me really excited and happy. And I think for, for me, it just makes me so proud. And I think the parents are so so proud of you too. And it's beyond the physical donations here as oh, well. Yeah. And I just want to sh- share um, sort of a bit of personal insight and um, from my angle as, as the, the manager of the girls team. We had our presentation, which Keely was part of um, Saturday week ago. And we went through all the formalities where we discussed the logistics and we gave out the certificates and the kids got their uniforms. But post that, we sat in a circle, all the parents and all the kids, and spoke for 
an hour about what Jared meant to each of us hmm. and the values that he lived his short but impactful life by and how we as a team were going to lead that through the campaign. And to me, that was possibly one of the most beautiful things that I've been part of in, in my time in golf. Um, and Keely, again, I, this is what I, mean, I credit everything to, to you and we, we, we thank you for, uh, for all of the, your work. I'm just sitting with a smile, Andy. I can't I, believe it. Uh, the extent, the extended um, uh, family mm. reaction, uh, yeah. sense of connection to this individual, that this bloke, this one person, or the layers that uh, are, exist as a result of him mm. uh, and his story are phenomenal. And Joe, I mean, to Keila, I know you're still there. We're going to talk about you, not necessarily to you for a minute, but when. <laughs> This kid's 14 years old. I mean, this is not what normal 14-year-old children do, Joe. This is this an exceptional young lady that we've got the privilege of speaking to and understanding the story of right now. That's To be able to sit around in an environment like that, that's a challenging thing for mature adults to do, to be able to confront those sorts of feelings in front of other people. But what an extraordinary thing for these teenagers to be able to do. Yeah, well, that's right. It's a level of maturity that's well beyond most 14-year-olds that uh, Keely's showing. And, and she's been able to have that influence in her own little patch. And this is actually something that I spoke about with, with the team. Jared Lyles, he, I, I refer to patch by your, your little paddock, the people that you can influence in, in your life. Now, Jared's was quite broad, mm. as, as, as we all know. But Keely's been able to influence her own little patch. Spot and if we can on. all do yeah. that, the world's going to be a better place, isn't it? And so Keely at 14 has showed maturity beyond her years um, that she can, she can influence others and influence others within her own little circle. It's going on, Andy. It's, we're not finished yet, Keely, are we? we, we uh, we've got something pretty special. We're recording on Tuesday afternoon, but this Friday afternoon at, uh, at your school, the Yarra Valley Grammar School in, out in Ringwood, something pretty special is going on there too, eh? Uh, yeah, so we're going to have a sausage sizzle there. So going to hopefully sell everything there and all the um, all the money goes straight to challenge. Um, I've also got uh, a guy to sponsor um, sponsor the sausage sizzle. Give him so a plug, Keely. Yeah, yeah. Who is it? <laughs> um, Paul Fennick. So um, he is a part of uh, McGrath Real Estate What's and it? also... Uh, Reese, Reese. Um, so another one. So yeah, they're both going to help donate the stuff, and then um, so all the funds can go straight to challenge, which is really good. This is off Keely's back, Andy. She's organised this. And, That's and amazing, mate. Keely, you might just have to tell Andy what you've had to cough up in return for that sponsorship from from Paul Fennick. <laughs> Um, he just wants a golf lesson and a game of golf out at Heritage. <laughs> Get inside his head, Keely. <laughs> yeah. So, so we need to have that. We need to have that conversation on the public record about the getting inside your head. And you're, you're hazy, the better one to have this chat with Keely on behalf of the rest of us. Yeah, this is my second chat with Keely, and I only met her yesterday, and I was in awe of her having her told me this story already. But uh, at the end of our little chat yesterday, Keely, I, I asked you because I wanted to know what you know what drove you as a golfer, a young, a young golfer of fair talent already, but... A scratch player yourself, and I didn't divulge my handicap, but I said, if I were a scratch player, what would you do to beat me in a match? Um, I'd 
get inside your head. Which <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andy Andy reckons is a pretty easy thing to do, which very, I'm a bit nervous about. To be honest, very easily done, Keely. And Andy, one last thing yeah, while, while we yeah. still have Keely yeah, here absolutely. with us, um, and, and Joe might know more about this. I'm not sure, but um, I understand, Joe, that you and Hutchie, your fellow uh, state manager, have organised through the nice people at New South Wales, your equivalents there, that that uh, Keely and Jasper Stubbs can address the players at the opening ceremony next week, Andy, at Bonville in Coffs Harbour, just to, you know, not necessarily drum them into doing X, Y and Z on a charitable level, but just to express what Jared means to the, to the Victorian team and the wider Australian golf community. And I, I, I don't know what the speech is going to be, Keely, but I'm imagining there's not going to be too many dry eyes in the house. Uh, um, look, I don't think there will be. But, you know, <laughs> um, no, nah, but uh, we've been going through the speech and everything and we think we've figured it out. So it's basically just going to be saying that how lucky we are that he was Australian and that he was so great at golf. Um, also that just like he had it three times and he had it at 17, which is most of our ages. And we just got to be careful that, you can get it at any age in your life and you just got to support people because it might come back to you as well. Keely, occasionally um, older people like me um, have reason to worry about the future of this planet. Uh, sometimes it ends up in the hands of the wrong people and uh, they take it in a direction that perhaps um, we would like it to go in another one. But so long as there are people, so long as there are people like you around, young lady, uh, we're in good hands, and um, it's an absolute privilege to speak to you on this podcast for a couple of minutes today. What you are doing makes a significant difference. It brings a lot of sunshine to the planet when occasionally we might yearn for a bit more. Um, credit to you and credit to your family. You're uh, doing a remarkable thing. Um, well done, and thanks for being part of the show today. No, thank you. Keely Marks joining us on Inside the Ropes. That is, by any stretch of the imagination, a remarkable story. Unbelievable, Andy. And seriously, we, we it's hard to sort of start that story up and you know get it rolling. Um, but I hope people stuck with it, my pathetic explanation to start with, because what Keely talks about subsequent to that is it's not just golf. It's humanity at its very best. And 14 years of age, I... I, I could barely do that now. In fact, I may not be able to do it now, um, especially not play golf at scratch and have some little whippersnapper in my head. But I asked her a question yesterday as well because um, someone mentioned to me that she was interested in being uh, an ambassador for Challenge so at some point down the track, soon maybe, uh, who knows. And I said, "What you know? would that be of interest to you? And she said, whether I am or not, this is her quote to me in the story, whether I am or not, I won't stop helping. I reckon I'd like to though so that I know I'm helping people in life. Hmm. I, I don't know if that sounds like a 14-year-old girl to anyone. It sort of sounds like someone who should be a diplomat and probably running the country. It's amazing. So, so Joe, you, you're the, just explain your connection to Keely from, on a formal basis. How, how do you what, – what is the actual role that you've got that you fill with this team? Yeah, yeah put, put simply, I am the, the girls' manager mm -hmm. alongside David Hutchinson, who's looking after the boys. And as I said, I really cannot take any credit for Keely's great work. She has really led the charge from, from go to woe. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just been, I've been filled with great pride um, in, in seeing her doing what she's doing and what the team ha has been doing. So um, I can't wait to get up to a Coffs Harbour next week. Can I, 
just, I mean, this is a this is a big stretch from you know the you know, monumental story that is her small story in the big scheme of things, but presumably she spent a lot of time around golf already. I mean, you don't get to scratch at fourteen unless you've been sort of even from a younger age. Yeah, no, Keely's been around probably since she's about seven years old, okay, I would so. say. Um, and I reckon she made two or three primary school state teams, and this is her second secondary school team. So she's only had two years in secondary school, and she's made two from two. Yep. Uh, so this will be her second campaign in the under-17 team. So, so I know we're preaching, we're, we're preaching to the converted here, but, you know, this is where golf clubs and golf comes into its own a little bit. In turn, and even more so than a lot of other sports, a lot of other sports, kids are corralled into their age groups and they really only have exposure to kids of the same age as they're playing their sports on the way through. You get a seven, eight, nine, ten year old kid to a golf club, she'll play or he'll play, mm-hmm. he'll do his, they'll, they'll do their junior development stuff and they'll do their lessons and they'll come through the ranks and they'll play, you know, whatever kind of Colts type, you know, junior um, um, uh, pennant type stuff you've got at your golf club. But you will have exposure to grown-ups mm. because they'll say, hey, get over here and we'll have a putting comp and we'll buy a glass of lemonade after the round and all this sort of stuff. And it helps kids just mature a bit and grow up a bit. Not grow up, that's the wrong, you know the terminology I'm sort of searching for here, but it's a game that welcomes a crossover and a combination of age groups. Um, and I think you can tell from somebody like Keely Marks that she is a beneficiary product, as we are of knowing her, but of the environment that she's yeah. been exposed to a bit. Golf is a, it's a, it's a good family, isn't it? it and is, I mean, Clay, it something, is. he put something out on Instagram not long after Jared passed away, and he said something like, golf will, will look after you. Golf, golf, golf will look after you. Referring to Jared's Jared's family, because golf is a great community. Yeah. And Keely um, is a small picture in it. Sorry, not a small picture because what she's doing, doing, but she's a small piece in the golfing community that mm. have really rallied behind this this cause. And but being a fourteen year old, it's simply like very inspirational. It's a powerful force. It really is. Mm. It really is. And before we leave, Jared, we. we we promise no tears. We've done pretty well, I reckon. Any couple of lumps in the throat there, maybe when Keely was talking, but um, Jared's uh, memorial service, yep. um, for those who haven't heard yet, is on September the 27th, so still you know, five weeks away, uh, down at the Sands in Torquay, uh, his second home down there. He spent so much time there, even in the club, doing odds and ends. That's where he wanted it to be, uh, so that's going to be fantastic. Welcome. It's a public service. Uh, it's going to be a big day. I'd get there early and figure out your parking. But um, yeah, it's going to be huge down there at Torquay on September the 27th. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. G'day, I'm Jared Felton, and I love catching up with Inside the Rope. Welcome back to the show. There's a whole lot of big stuff that goes on in the game that we like to talk about here on Inside the Ropes. Um, and there's some remarkable stuff that happens in the game. And I'm told, you two, that two hole-in-ones in the same round, it is 67 million to one. 
the prospect. Yeah. That is the mathematical possibility. That right? That's what I read somewhere. Whether that's right or wrong, I've got no idea. But Angela Bailey at uh, Peninsula Golf Club uh, last week did just that, which is truly remarkable. And she's been good enough to join us on the show. Angela, thanks for your time. Pleasure. Happy. Two holes in one in the one round. How many times have you been asked about that since you did it? Uh, 4,523. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a lot. Um, now, Hazy tells me that you'd never had a hole in one prior to having the first on in this round. No, never in competition. Once in a practice round, never in competition. So pretty exciting. <laughs> so you did it on uh, one. Uh, with, hole, yep, yeah. go on. You tell us where you did it first, and what you first did. First hole and 17th. Was what? the first your first hole for the day? Yes, first hole for the day, first shot for the day, and that hole has been defeating me lately, and it felt good. And then, I, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, some, somebody said, I think that's gone in the hole. And I said, no, it'll be over the back, because it was into a headwind, so I'd taken an extra club, and got up there, and I automatically went straight to look down the back, and uh, somebody said, and it's in the hole. <laughs> what did you hit? Uh, that was a hybrid. Um, I hit a hybrid for equivalent of 130 uh, yeah, metres um, into a wind, and it did the right thing. Most so, people, when they have a hole in one, take forever, or basically the entire round, to compose themselves yeah. to get to get it together. And then you you go in and ace another one, don't you? Well, it was pretty early in the morning, so it took a little while to to go get into the brain that there actually been a hole in one. <laughs> and um, I said to myself, "Now come on, Ange." Count the five and forget about it, which I tried to do, a bit hard, but I tried to do. Uh, and then the round got progressively worse. Um, and I think you may have even heard, I don't know, but I had a 12 in the middle of that. Oh it, was, it was okay apart from one hole in which I had hit somebody else's ball or somebody had left the ball in the bunker and I hit that. And then, then I settled down again and I got to the 17th and that one felt very good as well. So it's one of the, I think the more people see, um, you know, the new layout at Peninsula, the more they're going to grow to love um, mm. what's happened on 17. I think, I think for what it's worth, they've made it an infinitely better hole than the path through that used to be there, Angela. I don't know whether you agree with that. but uh, Absolutely agree. It's much harder. Um, and, and as you say, if it's up on the right hand, back of the, of the right of the green and up the top, it's virtually impossible. Oh, it's impossible. <laughs> but down the bottom, you've got a sort of a chance. Mm. So where you was know. it? Where was it on this particular it, day? It was, it was um, near the bottom of the green and sort of in the middle. Um, so I had a, being a left-handed, I had a chance that I hit it to the right of the green and it rolled behind it and down in. So you can actually, wow. you can actually aim it. For me, from being a lefty, I can aim to the right of it and, and hope to get a nice fade into it. Um, what did you hit in there? Uh, eight, I think. Yeah, right. What did, what did you, I want to know what your playing partners are saying at this stage, Angela. <laughs> the, the, the first one, they're all pretty excited, but it, as I said, it was early in the morning. The, the second one, the, by the time I got to the second one, the same person said to me, Angela, I think that's in the hole. I said, no, no. It's got, I saw it go past the flag. And I just went up there and thought, oh, damn, I can't see it. It'll be in the back bunker. Um, but, in fact, when I got up there, same person went up and said, Ange, it's in. <laughs> and at this stage, they could hear us all over the ground. So, so, so 18 at the moment is a temporary par three as well, yes. Angela. Did you think, yes. well, here we go, I'll just make it three in a row here. What? I hate to tell you, yes, I was greedy. <laughs> and and what, how, did you scare the pin at all on 18 or not? No, no, it was another quite strong headwind. I took a bit extra club but should have taken more. And I was in line. It looked good, but oh. it was short. So how did word, <laughs> so you, you and your playing partners know what's happened? 
Yeah. Um, how long did it take for the word to spread that you'd had the two holes in one in the one round? The, that word had gone through to the clubhouse, and I think with Jill Spargo, it had gone through to uh, Golf Australia before I got to the 18th tee. <laughs> I didn't know that, but by the time uh, I got inside, they were lining up for hugs. Oh, that's and brilliant. And the champagne was out, and everybody was incredibly happy. So I have to, I'll have vouch for you, Angela. You were very sober when I rang you later in the afternoon. You, you, you sounded well under control, but I led to believe that that wasn't the case for everyone down at Peninsula Kingswood. No, they were all pretty happy. I, I sadly have given up grog, but um, I, did right. have, <laughs> I did have one mouthful of champagne for my sins, but, but yes, a lot of people were extremely happy. <laughs> so when you... When... I was very happy because the club shouted me. I didn't have to even pay for it. Well, there you go. I, 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 that was the other one because, you know, the tradition, mm. ring the bell yeah. and shout the bar. If you do it yeah. twice, what, do you have to buy them a new car as well? well that's you... right. You'd have to put six bottles of whiskey each on the top, I think. <laughs> Terrifying <laughs> prospect. Angela, it's a remarkable story. A genuine, as I said, I, I don't know who comes up, up with the mathematics on this stuff, but I did read somewhere that it's a 67 million to one prospect of doing it twice in the one round. Um, oh, yes. I'll put a dollar on you next week. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I played today, and I'm, I'm happy to say that I played to my handicap. I had 36 points, and every time I get up to a pass through, I think, oh, maybe I can do it again. Tell us you won the comp, though. Surely you won the comp. I didn't. I came eighth. It was a medal of stroke round. If I hadn't had that 12, I, was, I would have been all right. But Jill Spargo actually won it with a 67 net. Oh. So she, she, was, uh, she, she walloped me. Some good golf there. Hey, Angela, congratulations. It's a fantastic story. Thanks for telling it. Pleasure. Good on you. Angela Bailey, who had two holes in one at Peninsula. Uh, A a remarkable feat by anybody's, uh, in anybody's language. But not all remarkable stories uh, concern two holes in one in the one round. Joe, uh, you've got a yarn for us. Yes, and, and before I start, honestly, only this could have ever happened in America. I felt like I was... You know, you were watching Current Affair and you see those really bad road rage incidents yes. where, well, this is a golf course equivalent. So in Massachusetts, some some stage over the weekend, a man has bitten off another man's thumb in rage on, on, on the golf, on a golf course. course. Um, a fight on a golf course. Yep. Thumb bitten off. Mike Tyson sort of style. Um, <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't John Hopper. <laughs> That's right. He was charged with um, mayhem, which I actually thought was funny too, but I actually then looked that up. When you're charged with mayhem, it actually means that you've dismantled someone's limb or or something. So it's actually a technical or legal term. So he was charged with mayhem and, you know, the rest will we'll, we'll watch this space. Know, if if this backst- trash makes the news again, we'll, <laughs> we'll report back in time. Do we know the backstory? What led to the bloke having a blue and biting his thumb off? No idea. No, no, Mate, no. I would have charged you with mayhem a couple of times during the Australian Open last year, Andy. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised I've avoided <laughs> such a charge on the way through. But uh, Joe, what's the what's you know what's the ruling on this on this matter? Like, well, golf from a golf perspective. I did ask Chief um, Simon McDolsky at. Uh, Golf Australia last night. I texted him through and said, where would I find this in the decisions book? And he wrote like, question mark, loose impediment. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's from the chief. Thanks, McDolsky. That'll do. That'll do. So that's handy to know just in case it ever happens to you out on the golf course. Um, we were talking about results uh, up the top of the show. We didn't talk about the LPGA, uh, much to my um, uh, chagrin. Hannah Green uh, had a terrific result there this week. Yeah, she had rounds of 69, 67, 68, 71 for a 
total of 13 under. Mm. She was joined by Catherine Kirk, who also made, made the cut. So that was all from the Aussie front. Uh, but I thought that the, the best story um, in and amongst all that was actually with the, the runner-up. And I tuned in with our Inside the Ropes IQ, Ali Whitaker, or Mrs. Golf, as I call Mrs. her last Golf, night. Because I, yep. I, was, I was reading the story and I thought, I reckon Ellie's going to know a little bit more about this. But it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating story. So she was from... Um, immigrant um, Mexican parents. Lizette Salas. Yeah, this is Lizette. Yeah. Sorry, yes, yep. Salas. And her dad worked as a mechanic and offset all his wages in um, lessons for her growing up, wow. promoting her, her own journey in, in, in a golf, which is quite remarkable. And then supported her through college. She was the first one of her family to ever graduate from, from university. And then went out on tour with a um, on the Symmetra tour, which Ali said they used to drive around in a red truck or something, which was obviously their mode of um, transport, but also uh, their beds on, on some occasions as well. So it's a, it's a real, it's a great story. She's, she's won, like she's been a Solheim Cup player. So she's remarkable. But um, I personally uh, didn't know much about it until I, I read a little bit more um, over the last few days. Yeah, oh. can, the backstories are many and varied, aren't they? Mm. they are. I, had a, I had a great chance to talk with Lizette Salas a couple of years ago in Adelaide at the Women's Australian Open, um, right about the time when Andy's good mate, D, D. Trump was questioning everything to do with Mexico. Oh, yeah. Wash your mouth out, Hazy. <laughs> oh, I do. I, I retract Dutton's, that. I'll I'll start saying that Peter Dutton's your great mate if you're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> I might get, you might get charged with mayhem in a minute. I'm, t- I'm tucking my limbs away. Um, anyway, I, I, she was um, almost a mouthpiece, I suppose, against it. And she got to the point where she was so outraged that she could no longer speak without, um, mm. you know, saying something that, didn't befit her character. You know, she was that in, infuriated by Trump. She's American. She's not, mm. well, it doesn't matter what she is, but yeah. she's American and, and mm. she's being threatened by her own president. Anyway, I learned a lot about her at that stage and I, I've been following her. She's a brilliant story. Mm. She, and I, I was sort of nothing against the new world number one from Korea, Sung Hoon Park, but I was sort of barracking fellas out there. She's a, she's a good tale. She's there off to Canada off to Canada yes, this week. We'll watch that with a great deal of interest. Um, housekeeping with Hazy, one of my favourite <laughs> parts of the show. Um, this, I just got to keep reminding people for that unbelievable opportunity, Andy, to, to play both the 2018 Emirates Australian Open and the 2019 Open Championship at Royal Port Rush. Mm. Um, play nine. You just get out, play nine. Get your club to organise it. And if you want the details of it, golf.org.au forward slash play nine, the number nine. And two of the great prizes. You can play at the Aussie Open, at the Open. Uh, I, I don't know what's better than that. More no, house. That's, no, that's outstanding. That's more awesome. housekeeping, Andy, uh, and some great reviews. I know that um, you know it's it's getting beneath your station now to to call for people to you know use their favourite uh, podcasting app to find us. But it's never too much. It's never for... beneath my stage. <laughs> it's it's uh, not Stitcher, too much. That Spotify, we... I love them all. They're all my favourites. <laughs> wherever you get them from, I don't know where they come from. Uh, we always call out for five star reviews, and yes. we've always yeah. given them a wrap. And we've uh, neglected that for a couple of weeks, so I apologise, uh, especially to Muzzer two 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 two. Might be Muzzer Benno. <laughs> Great show, guys, and Stace. It's not so much you, Joe, but Stace. <laughs> Love hearing about what all the Aussies are doing on the tours. So thank you very much. Uh, Redhead Golf. Love the show. Can't say I always agree with the comments, especially with Clates for some reason. <laughs> Funny about that. Uh, Clates rubbing people up the wrong way. Who'd uh, have thunk it? 
Redhead Golf wants us um, to do something more on what a pro goes through in the week of a tournament, planning, practice, physio, warm-ups, etc. Um, that's on the books, Redhead. Yeah, so okay, right. um, yeah. we will make that happen some point between now and, the, um, I guess, the summer of golf in Australia. And Brian, and this one's cut off a little bit. I apologize, Brian. But Brian K23, thanks for the podcast. Listen from the start and can't wait for the next each week. Thanks very much, Brian. We um, appreciate your support. Get on your browser. Lovely. Um, well, that's it. We're done. This has been a busy show. There's been a fair bit on the agenda today. Some great stories. And uh, with all due respect to, um, to you know, all of our guests on the show, I'm going to suggest that we are all better for hearing the story of young Keely Marks. Um, that's been a whole lot of this edition of Inside the Ropes for me. Uh, what a remarkable young lady. Thanks mm. for introducing us to her, Joe. Oh, no, my absolute pleasure. And as I said, credit goes to solely her. Good on you. Uh, good to see you again. Yeah, great to be back, guys. Joe Charlton, Mark Hayes. I'll Thanks, Andy. Thanks for tuning in, folks. It's been Inside the Ropes, episode number 57. Back to do it all again next week.